Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. Avoid that whole thing. Avoid that competition thing. Avoid that, that people-pleasing thing that we see within Leah. And it's, it's, it's sad. It, it truly is a sad story that she would, man, probably spend a good portion of her life just trying to gain the affection from this guy who should have been giving it to her. That's unfortunate. That is tragic. But the lesson to be learned is don't try harder. Stop. And make sure you redirect like she did with Judah. I'm just going to praise him. In this passage of scripture, you'll see so much competition between Rachel and Leah, who are fighting for Jacob's love. In today's message, Pastor James will encourage you to stop trying to please others in the hopes that they will love you. It will only frustrate you if you're constantly trying to please people. Instead of trying harder to please others, make your aim to please God in all that you do. And out of the overflow of your praise to God will come kindness to others. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Genesis chapter 30 with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. Verse 9, when Leah saw that she had stopped bearing, she took Zilpah, her maid, and she gave her to Jacob as a wife. And now again, he doesn't technically marry this lady. This is just another person, another woman for him to sleep with and to have more babies by. Because she's like, well, I got four, and now she's got two, and it seems like her more important than mine. So maybe I should start, and I'm not having any more kids. So obviously the relations are still happening. But I'm not, the Lord's kind of closed my womb, so um, I, need to up the, I need to up the ante a little bit. I need some more kids. Hey, maidservant, maid, Zilpah, get in here. Um, that's my husband. You guys, let's do, what's, let's do what's done, and let's have some more babies, and this is what happens. So she gives Zilpah to Jacob as a wife. Verse 10, Leah's maid Zilpah bore Jacob a son. Then Leah said, a troop comes. Here comes the troop, right? Like, good, or another translation is fortune. Um, Really, the idea is probably more heavily upon troop in the sense because now she is is multiplying hers. And so she is identifying the fact that, like, yeah, Rachel, um, I got way more than you. I, I got a troop, and there's more to come. And there would be more to come, for sure. But that's what she names it, Gad. That's his name. Good fortune has come, or the other way, uh, a troop has come. If you got to name your kid a troop, just to indicate the fact that you have lots of kids, I mean, it may be time to stop and say, like, should I be having more children? Like, but you're, you got an army now. Like, okay, slow down. Slow down. We're, we're gone off track, totally off track. Leah's servant Zilpah bore Jacob a second son, so another son by the maid. And Leah said, happy am I, sorry about that, for women have called me happy, or blessed am I, for women have called me blessed. So she called his name Asher. Now, here's a good, see see how far this has kind of gone from her, from Judah, I will praise God, to like, oh, 
the troop is coming. The saints are marching in. Here they come, right? Like more kids, here they come. And then this indication, I'm happy because now other ladies will be happy for me. Well, that's not how it should be. That's not at all how it should be, Leah. How did you go from I will praise God to like, well, my happiness is totally dependent upon not just my husband and hopefully one day he'll love me, but actually upon how other people think about me. That's never, you should never name your kid based on that, okay? You shouldn't have kids to try to like impress people. That's not a good idea. That's, that's unfortunate for the kid, but here she is. I, listen, I'm happy because the ladies are telling me that I'm blessed because I have so many kids. That, so they think highly of me, so that kind of makes me feel good. Well, what happens when they stop talking about you? What happens when they stop praising you for how many kids you have? What happens when your kids get bigger and they're running around like wild kids and they're causing all kinds of problems and those those thoughts of expressions of happiness are like, hey, can you do something with your kids? Because they're all over. What, what happens then? What happens then? You can't, you, you just can't base it all upon circumstances. But that's how she's living her life. And she ends up with Asher. Because of that, she's, it's happy. I got happy. <laughs> Verse 14, in the days of the wheat harvest, Reuben went and found uh, mandrakes or Love apples, as they're known, okay? These, uh, these little roots things that they will sometimes come across. The mandrakes in the field and brought them to his mother, Leah. Then Rachel said to Leah, please give me some of your son's mandrakes. Now, these are thought to be an aphrodisiac to a certain extent, but also there's uh, some myths or some legend connected to these things that, well, they'll make you fertile. And so you eat these things and, and they'll... They'll solve your problem. You can't have kids? Well, just eat some love apples. Solution. There you go. You're, you're good to go. So Rachel goes to her older sister and is like, hey, give me your son's love apples, okay? Give me those things. And she's, it's not as if she's asking for them. She's like demanding them from her sister. Because remember, she's the chosen wife. And Leah is nothing more than, she's no different than Bilhah and Zilpah, okay? She's no different. In their eyes, she's no different than those ladies. Give me those mandrakes. And Leah responds to her, verse 15, uh, is it a small matter that you have taken away my husband? Well, okay, but she didn't really do that, but your dad, remember your dad in the story? You remember how he put you in her place and then, and then he's the one who agreed to give Rachel to your husband, Jacob, probably the next night? But Leah, you can tell that there is a, a little bit of a root of bitterness there on her end concerning all this. Is it no small matter that you have taken away my husband? Would you take away my son's mandrakes also? Jeez, oh, Rachel, you got my husband. Now you want my son's mandrakes. What else do you want? You have it all. You have it all. You're just going to take away everything. Rachel said, therefore, he will lie with you tonight for your son's mandrakes. So they make a deal. They bargain for Jacob that night over some love apples. This is so messed up. This gives us an indication that somehow Leah has kind of been maybe booted off to her own tent. 
Like she doesn't really, she probably doesn't get to see Jacob that much. And, and maybe that their, can, their evenings together has kind of stopped. Maybe that's why she hasn't been having more children. We don't know, but they strike a bargain. Rachel's like, okay, okay, okay. I'll make a deal with you. I'll give you Jacob for tonight. You give me the mandrakes. Deal. Shake on it. And they, made, they came with this, this, this arrangement, this agreement. Jacob has no problems with this at all. You never get a word from Jacob of like, oh, hey, ladies, um, I don't feel right about this. I don't feel right. I feel like I'm kind of being used in this story, or maybe I shouldn't be enjoying this all this much. Like, I think something's wrong in our lives. Yeah, your moral compass is way off. It is way off. Like, Jacob, come on, dude. Like, again, I know you didn't ask to be in this position. I know you weren't looking for it. But at some point in time, somebody's got to stand up and say, okay, hold on. Does this seem messed up to anybody else? Like you guys are bargaining, 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 bartering in one sense over my affection to a certain extent over these root things that you found that your son found in the ground. Something's not right. Verse 17. And God listened to Leah. God listened to Leah and she conceived and bore Jacob a fifth son. Leah said, God has given me my wages because I've given my maid to my husband. So she called his name Issachar. And you go, you go a long ways away from Judah at this point in time. She's like, look, God, you know, I made this deal with the Rachel concerning Jacob, concerning these mandrakes, and, um, and God's blessed my business decision, and he's given me a kid. It's like... Wait, 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 what? Like, what are you saying? What, God has given me my wages because I gave my servant to my husband. Like, wait, God is honoring the fact that you gave your servant to your husband so that he could sleep with her and impregnate her? Like, God's, wait, you're really naming your kid that. that that's what you're naming your son. And that's what this kid gets to walk around with. What's your name? I don't know. I don't, I don't want to tell you my name. It's kind of embarrassing, honestly. My name's Issachar, um, and it, I got that name because my mom was fighting with her sister over their one husband, and uh, one of my brothers um, had found some love apples, and so that's why I'm here. I'm, I'm here because of love apples and my, my mom fighting with her sister over their one husband. Like, no, you, that poor kid. Like, uh, th- but this is where we're at. This is where we're at. Verse 19, continuing on with this lovely family. Then Leah conceived, conceived again and bore Jacob a sixth son. And Leah said, God has endowed me with a good endowment. Now my husband, now, six sons, now my husband will dwell with me because I have borne him six sons. So she called his name Zebulun. Now, maybe now. Six sons, six sons plus two from my maid. Like, man, I'm winning this battle. Um, I'm way ahead. Uh, I'm, I'm just smoking, Rachel. Um, she can't catch up. She's just, it's not going to happen. Um, so maybe now Jacob will wake up and he'll see like, clearly I'm the better, I'm the better wife. I'm the more productive wife. 
They're giving him six sons. Now he'll wake up. Now he'll wake up. Now he'll want to be with me. Now he'll just want to live with me, dwell with me, be in the same place as I am. Maybe now he'll want to be around me because God's hooked me up with a good endowment. I mean, six sons. You don't get better than that. And there's no indication that that happens. Verse 21, afterwards, she bore a daughter and called her name Dinah. She's going to come into play a few chapters from now. But it is fascinating. There's, no, there's not a lot of significance behind her name. But it is fascinating that the Lord just drops that in there. In the midst of all this madness and battles over sons and all that good stuff, it's just almost as if God tucks this little diamond away in the story and says, Here's Dinah, and maybe she's the, and can you imagine if she's the only daughter of the family? Do you know how loved and protected that little girl is going to be with all these boys surrounding her? And we'll see that in the story. I mean, your brothers are willing to go and slaughter a whole town for you, and they do. But there's just a little Dinah, just a little diamond just stuck within the story of God saying, hey, I care about that little girl. I care about that lady. Here's maybe one bright, st- one bright spot within this story. I don't know. We'll see as we continue on. But verse 22, then God remembered Rachel. God remembers Rachel in the midst of all this mess. He remembered Rachel, and God listened to her and opened her womb. So at some point in time, Rachel, there, there's got to be some sort of shift or change that's happened in Rachel where maybe she wakes up. Now, we, we're not told this, but the indication is because now God hears her. There's no indication that she's ever been talking to God in this whole story. But now God hears Rachel. So maybe she's gotten to the point where she's like, this is stupid. This is crazy. What are we doing? Why are we fighting? This makes no sense at all. Maybe she wakes up because God hears her. He remembered Rachel. He listened to her. So maybe she was pleading to God, please, will you bless me with a kid? Will you please just bless me with a kid? Maybe part of that prayer is, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I don't know. But he opens her womb, and she, bore, she conceived and bore a son and said, God has taken away my reproach. God has taken away my reproach, maybe indicating all this nonsense leading up to this story. And she actually displays an act of faith in naming this son who is my favorite of all the sons. Absolutely. Now, I know Judah's like the man. Okay, I get it. Like the kings come from Judah and Levi, yeah, the priesthood and all that stuff. But when you come to the biblical narrative and really the rest of Genesis, we're going to be talking about this kid. And I mean, there's, there's not an Old Testament guy like him and Daniel. Like, those are my two. Like, I don't know what it is about those two guys, but I love, love those guys. When I get to heaven, I'm, I'm finding these guys. I'm going to say, hey, okay, we need to talk. <laughs> like, I want to know. Man, I want to know. Just tell me. Tell me what it was like. Tell me what it was like. Um, 
So here, here's this, this son that she has. God has taken away my reproach. And so she called his name Joseph and said, the Lord shall add to me another son. This is an act of faith on her part. She hasn't been able to have kids at all. And God opens her womb, and he blesses her with the son. And in response to that, she says, he's going to give me one more. That next son is going to cost her her life. The next one will cost her her life. But she knows, God has heard my prayer. God has answered my prayer. And God's going to do for me above and abundantly beyond whatever I can think or imagine. He's going to give me two sons. His name will be Benjamin. Thankfully, his dad changed his name to Benjamin. We'll see that in a little bit. But there it is. And, and, and that, that closes out this whole issue, this, this time period for Jacob and his family of bearing children. And the, the whole time, he's working for his uncle Laban. And we'll, we'll finish out this chapter next week. But just so we can understand what's all going on here, because I don't want to try to even begin to explain what happens next, okay? I think what we've covered today is more than enough for us to chew on for a little while here. But you have Leah and then the the competition of, of having kids, and she's blessed by being able to provide Jacob with multiple children, and he never meets her need. He never, never meets her need. So what do you do in in life, in this life when, man, I'm just striving to please someone and it's not working? Stop. 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 Save yourself some headache. Save yourself some heartache. Here's what you do. Redirect. Redirect. We talk about this a lot. There needs to be this vertical thing between you and the Lord. Before there's ever this this horizontal thing of trying to like minister to other people. And if people pleasing is your thing, you'll be frustrated. You will always be frustrated. But you got to stop this because this has to be right. Redirect. Redirect. Aim to please him, the father. Make sure that this thing is good between you and the Father. That's got to be strong. That's got to be good. And then the overflow from this will go this way. It doesn't mean you're going to please people. In fact, you might make some people upset. But this has to be number one. So if you're like Aaliyah, living your life just just desperately trying to please this one person that I love more than anything, push pause Make sure that this is good between you and the Lord. Make sure that that's good. And let the overflow of that go this way. You cannot offer to anybody what you don't have. If anything, it'll just be surface. It won't be lasting. It won't be that impactful. Certainly, there's not a lot of transformation that happens when there is no relationship between you and the Lord. So please the Father. Aim to please Him. Your heavenly Father who loves you more than anything and more than way, way beyond what you can think or even imagine. So avoid that whole thing. Avoid that competition thing. Avoid that, that people-pleasing thing that we see within Leah. And it's, it's, it's sad. It truly is a sad story that she would, man, probably spend a good portion of her life just trying to gain the affection from this guy who should have been giving it to her. That's unfortunate. That is tragic. 
But the lesson to be learned is don't try harder. Stop. And make sure you redirect like she did with Judah. I'm just going to praise him. I'm just going to praise him. Well, what happens if you get off track? Go back to that. Go back. It's okay. Hopefully we can get to the point where we're kind of at like Rachel at the end of the story in, in, in a certain way where it's just like, you know what? Um, whatever's going on in my life, I, I just would hope that this is good because I'm just crying out to God. I'm just crying out to him saying, Lord, please hear my prayers. Please hear my prayers. Uh, I, I don't want to have more kids than my sister. I, I'm, not, I'm not envious of my sister anymore. I'm not looking for that. I'm not praying that you would answer that prayer, Lord. I, I'm just praying, Lord, that you would just hear me and that you would give me what you want me to have. Like, I hope that we could get to that point. I, I would pray that I can live in that point day by day because I struggle with that day by day because I'm frustrated. I, I want to get like, no, Lord, I need this, this, and this. Just give me this, this. It's almost like this competition thing. Knock it off. I would say to myself, Stop. Lord, would you just give me what I, what I need? What would give you praise? What would give you honor? What would bring you honor today? Lord, help me not to get caught up in the fight and the envy and the jealousy and help me just to stay focused on you. And will you just give me what you want me to have and as much of it that you want me to have? For her, it was Joseph and it's Benjamin. And that was what, that's what God had for her. That's what he had for her. So I would encourage us, again, this is a messed up story. This is a messy situation. Jacob didn't go into Haran looking for the situation, but it's what he got. It's where he ended up. And in one sense, sin got him to that point. And sin got him into this position because of his uncle and his uncle's sin, right? He ended up with two wives because of his uncle. So at some point in time, Regardless of whoever's fault it is in our lives, we have to stop and say, okay, what's the right thing to do? What's the right thing to do? The right thing is just to say, okay, Lord, I got to bring you into this story. Lord, what do you want to happen? What do you want to happen? So crazy, insane, and what's crazy about this is the kind of, the, the kind of insanity that goes along with this story is not too far from our families, right? I don't know how your family situation's like, but this kind of mirrors, in one sense, the drama that I experience within my families. I've actually had been in contact with my dad's side of the family, who I haven't seen in almost 30 years. Um, just recently, these people start reaching out to me, and, and you start to put the, piece, put the pieces together of like, huh, this is kind of weird. It was a big mess. It was a really big mess. But you know what? We just give it to the Lord and say, okay, Lord, what do you want to happen with all this stuff? What do you want to happen? Because you can take messes and turn them into masterpieces. That's, that's the God that we serve. So whatever your life looks like, if it's a mess, give it to the Lord. He's a master artist, and he can take a mess and turn it into a masterpiece. Such is my life. A mess that is continually being turned into a masterpiece that's not there yet. It's not there yet. The 
beginning of the world has been a hotly contested topic for some time now, and the debate has caused many to dig deeper into their origin. The simplest answer is often the one that's correct. Our world and everything in it was molded and placed in its orbit by a supreme being, God. The account of this beginning and the first people to walk the earth is recorded for us in the pages of the Bible, in the book of Genesis. God's authority over nature and humankind has been evident from the start. He simply spoke and all took shape. God formed people to inhabit this beautiful planet, to care for it and for each other. Pastor James Grizzle has been taking the time to share God's plan for life from the pages of Genesis. And we hope you'll tune in again to continue the story. If you missed any part of today's message on Bread for the Broken, don't worry. You can find it now on our website, breadforthebroken.com. Listen through all of Pastor James' teachings that we've made available there, and feel free to share them with any friends or family you think would find it helpful. That website again is breadforthebroken.com. We're so glad you chose to spend time with us today, and we want you to know that we're keeping you in our prayers every time we produce another edition of this program. Each edition of Bread for the Broken is made with our listeners in mind, and we want to make sure our Creator is the first one we're all turning to. Thanks for joining us for this edition of Bread for the Broken. It's our prayer that every listener finds hope and new life in Jesus.